1: Italiano. Hello, welcome back to the Porto Italian Football Podcast, we're here again, we, we had quite a long break. This time, no podcast on Friday, Saturday or Sunday. So we've had a whole three days without having to stay up outrageously late. But we are back. I'm your host, Connor Clancy. Kev Pogdzielski, you are here.
0: Yes, and we've got someone else with us. Who's here? It's, uh, it's Mr. Doria.
1: Well, welcome back, Mr. Vito Doria. We missed you again.
2: Yes, uh, I managed to hear some of the podcasts from around 33, so... I heard all the compliments, which I was happy to hear. And, yeah, I was a bit disappointed to miss out on it because that was a great round too. But I'm here now, so there's still enough to talk
1: about. Me and Kev did the heavy lifting in the week. Now everything's pretty much wrapped up. You've come back to just see us over the line. Basically, you've become the Cristiano Ronaldo to Real Madrid's 2014 Champions League win, popping up with the fourth goal of a 4-1 win. That's what you're doing now, Vito. But you listened to some of the podcasts, you said.
2: Yeah, because I did it mostly during my latest news shift on the Friday. So I wasn't able to listen to the rest of it.
1: So, so you listen to yeah. the compliments, but you didn't hear the insults, I take it. Oh. Um, but <laughs> it does mean that you're back. So we do have the, the much loved um, by me connor's game making a return tonight which is oh, exciting God. for everybody you're not happy about that kev
0: oh you know i love it, it you do
1: love it you're very you're very good at it too aren't you <laughs> hey it's one one yeah well we gone. did
2: get a comment last week on it about did uh it? about the game Who? yeah on twitter
1: uh, one of
2: our listeners uh, sabrina De, uh, belmonte um yeah, she, she laughed when I said something about, uh, you know, the whole questioning. And when I asked, do we really have to care about this stones that part? <laughs> um,
1: I didn't see that comment, but Sabrina's been a loyal listener for a while. So hello, Sabrina. Um, at least someone's listening that far into the podcast. <laughs> um, I'm just looking, I've lost my list. We should probably start talking about the football, shouldn't we? We've been recording for two and a half minutes. Um, we are speaking fresh off the back of, uh, I was going to say, another Juventus win, but they've not been as expect as free-flowing as expected recently. They did beat Lazio, though. Um, but, Kev, I mean, uh, we were talking just before we pressed record. Everyone's beaten Lazio this- these last couple of games.
0: Yeah, ahead of the game. Um, it was just when the optostats stats flew past me. And then, obviously, with tonight's uh, result as well two points from the last 15 uh, available. I know that's, you know, as you pointed out, it's not, you know, it doesn't mean that they're completely winless since we returned, but just within the last sort of, well, wow, it's about two and a half weeks, isn't it, for us? So it's still quite a condensed amount of time, but that run keeps going. It They're just they're just free-falling. Yeah. You know, they've lost against chase within that sort of group of teams, so it's not as if... They've had a, a, a really, really difficult run of the games.
1: No, yeah. I mean, they've not had it easy, I think it's fair to say. But I don't know. How much of this do you think, feed those down to the fact that a lot of people say that Lazio just don't have the depth. And, and fair enough, they don't. But Alistair McKenzie spoke recently or wrote recently that he's more uh, uh, thinking along the lines of that. Fair enough, there's no depth. But Inzaghi hasn't given the other players a chance. And we saw this evening against Juve that the other players, out of necessity, got a chance. And the the untried guys put it up to Juve more than than the other players had to other teams. So wasn't Zaggy exactly wrong all along to not give other people a chance?
2: Yes, he was wrong because, especially in the case of uh, Javin Anderson on the left, I thought, in particular in the first half, I thought he was having a decent game. And compared to what uh, Johnny has offered... So far this season, I think uh, Anderson definitely offered a little bit more. So I think on that instance, uh, yeah, Anderson deserved his place. Cataldi, look, he's all right, but um, some good, some bad. But that being said, I do think he could have been utilised a bit more through the season as well. And, um, yeah, just in general, though, uh, when you look at the regulars, A lot of them do look like they're worn out or they're just, uh, um, you know, they're not able to handle this congested fixture list. So perhaps some of them, even if it's someone like Sergei Malenkovich-Savage, they should just be rested and give the other ones a go because they're completely out of the title race. And at this stage, I think it's all about just keeping a Champions League spot.
1: Can you understand, Vida, why Inzaghi might have been hesitant to play around with the team that had delivered him such not success in that there, there weren't really trophies but success in that they were competing for the title and if he had of changed things there's a chance that it might have collapsed
2: It reminds me of when Sarri was at Napoli that he had his tried and tested 11 and really deviated from it. I suppose in the case when you're not one of the big boys or one of those teams really expected to challenge For the title, you probably do have your tried and tested 11. You've developed a familiarity in the game plan. And uh, just by putting one or two players in, I suppose that tacticians have this fear that it might be the cause of causing things to sort of fall apart. Uh, That being said, what we've seen recently with Lazio, especially since the return of Italian football after the pandemic, uh, Lazio in particular look like that they really need that extra injection of fresh players and guys who are more willing to uh, fight for their spot because the regular stars, uh, um, the majority of them look like they've either, not necessarily been complacent, but they don't look like they're able to perform consistently well over the course of a game.
1: Well, on are fourth. They're 11 points off Juve, three points off Inter and two points off Atalanta. Um, but Kev... Everyone got excited about Lazio, ourselves included, up until that Atalanta game, really. Um, Up until the second half of that Atalanta game, post-lockdown. But do we kind of have to take a step back and analyse this Lazio season from a little bit of a a cooler position? Because if you had offered Lazio a top-four finish at the beginning of the season, you reckon they would have taken it and been happy to have just qualified for the Champions League. Now they just need two points to clinch that so I mean it's not all bad is it?
0: No I think um, because of how strange this season's been you've got to uh, really look at it in the context of where they would have hoped they would have been at the start of the season because um, we, you know that break just sort of hit them at, at the wrong time. Um, you know we just discussed sticking with the same 11 but they are probably in a time in the year where you'd be knocked out of the odd cup competitions and a lot of teams keep a, a set start in eleven because you're usually playing every seven days and actually that continuity sort of builds you into that little bit of run of form that you have towards the end of the season if you're trying to sort of secure a European place. They've not been able to have that. Um, whether they've done that too much at the start of the season and now they've got tired players, it, it just makes it really difficult. To I mean, you've got to sort of take it away from where they are Sort of disassociate where they're going to probably finish as to how good they were before we went into lockdown and just say what was the objective at the start of the season. Most of the people were probably predicting them not even to finish in Champions League places. So it's a success. Just feels like a failure. It's a bit like getting three goals up in a game and then sort of losing four free, uh, you know, in the last 10 minutes or whatever. But it, in context, it's going to be a good season for Lazio.
1: Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. It'll be interesting to see what what they do next season, who's there next season, who's still there and who is new there. It, it is going to be quite interesting. But the, the top four, as you say, is kind of set now. Atalanta needed an extra point to qualify, but Inter's draw with Roma qualified both Atalanta and Inter. Um, so the top three are in the Champions League confirmed for next season. Kevin, why are you smiling?
0: Well, I'm trying to work out what's at the bottom of Vito's mug that he's trying
1: to drink. <laughs> out.
0: I'm gonna, I'm gonna say biscuits, but uh...
1: like that he's dipped the biscuit in for too long and a bit's fallen
2: mm. off. No, it's just a piece of um, lemongrass because I'm having a <laughs> lemongrass and ginger flavored tea, and it's just a tiny <laughs> bit. to. Vito's avoid. on a
0: health kick. <laughs>
2: We're not even having it. Yeah, time um... of
0: season, he needs to keep himself fit.
2: <laughs>
0: the games are coming thick <laughs> <big> and fast. <laughs>
1: But he only does half of them. <laughs> He's not here the whole time. <laughs> um, now, come on, let's get back on track. Back on track, because the, the title's done now. For, for all we got excited, both Atalanta and Inter dropped points this week, and Lazio, obviously, too. Juve won. They've an eight-point question. There's four games left. Juve are champions for the ninth time in a okay.
0: Yeah, I, I must admit, it wasn't tonight that made me think that the, the title was done. Um I missed the Saturday game, so checked the scores when I um, woke from my slumber on Sunday morning, saw Atalanta had dropped points against Verona and um, kind of sort of let out an internal sigh to myself, thinking, uh, even if Lazio were to turn Juve over tonight, that's that's possibly the uh, title challenge done. Maybe because I didn't expect, I I expected uh, Roma to dig in against Inter then later that night on Sunday.
1: So, for all your talk, you did deep, 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 deep down. Think after I think I've had a chance to win in the league.
0: Yeah, I, I think I was kidding myself until sort of, you know, you looked at the fixtures that, that Juve had. see. I suppose there was a little bit of that last week when they pulled it back against the um, But yeah, we've kind of just now trickling into um, what we always get at the end of a Serie A season.
1: You ready for some Cristiano propaganda?
0: Uh, go for it
1: Okay, Cristiano Ronaldo is the first player in history to score 50 plus goals in Serie A La Liga and the Premier League Cristiano Ronaldo is the fastest player to score 50 goals in Serie A, 61 appearances and what's the other one, Cristiano Ronaldo is the third Juventus player to score at least 30 goals in a Serie A campaign he's the best player of all time
0: I'm not answering that. I'm to I'll leave it veto. I'll get more complaints.
2: Oh, look, um, with Ronaldo, he's just been impressive in pretty much all the leagues he's been in. I mean, we can't really count the Portuguese league because he didn't stay at Sporting for too long, but he's had starring roles at Manchester United, Real Madrid and Juventus, and especially in this day and age with social media, you have certain fans of particular leagues criticising one league over the other because it's not a league that they follow. I just think uh, it's a bit of a shame because each league has its own appeal and its own characteristics. So over the course of a long career, Ronaldo's been impressive in three different leagues, been prolific. So I think from that aspect, uh, he does deserve credit for what he has done.
1: Right, look, Cristiano Ronaldo is a freak of nature, right? He is a phenomenal goal scorer. But is this not just what he should be doing, right? He's come to Serie A as someone who does... He doesn't do anything else now, right? He he literally offers nothing to Juve. And he's gone to a team who had won seven straight Scudetti before he arrived. Kev, is this not just what we... like? should be expecting from Cristiano Ronaldo at this Juventus team?
0: Um, I think if you break or equal long-standing records, then you deserve some plaudits for that. But, um, yeah, I don't think we should be going over the top with what we would expect from him because of the the way he plays now. It it reminds me of the sort of um, Ruud van Nistelrooy role that he played almost everywhere, actually, where he was, you know, just purposely, well, he, not not just for his own benefit. I'm sure that I'm sure his coaches told him as well to just sort of stay in those areas because he was so clinical. If the ball dropped to him, you know, really, actually, we said before we came on, Ronaldo could have maybe and probably should have had a hat trick at least, but probably could have had two hat tricks. And actually, you could have been, you could have, if you wanted to be nasty, you could be overly critical of his performance tonight, but. He's getting the job done.
1: I've not seen him play well in, in Serie A more than three times, maybe. Give you some. Like, Cristiano Ronaldo scored 30 goals this season. I think 12 of them have been penalties. He takes 6.2 shots per game. The next closest is Berardi on 3.8 shots per game. So, what you make of that?
0: But what's uh, what's his conversion rate? If, if Berardi and him have had that, so many shots.
1: Well, he's You're had doing almost twice time. as many shots as Berardi has. And Berardi's, like, the next most shots per game in Serie A.
0: Yeah, but you say you haven't seen him play well. What do you want him to do? You know, because actually, when he looks like he comes to get more involved in the game, like like the first half, because uh, they were sort of struggling to break Lazio down, he was coming deeper. And he was actually kind of, I was going to say getting in others' way, but he was then sort of coming far back, laying the ball off to sort of Alex Sandro at left back and then having to sort of dart back up in the other direction. It's like, well, why did you come back for that anyway? Because Rabiot or maybe Ramsey was going to get the ball anyway. And Ramsey maybe didn't get on the ball as much as he could because Ronaldo was getting
1: frustrated. It's like,
0: yeah, it's... Uh, I don't think we can expect too much more of it.
1: No, like I said at the top, um, he's obviously a phenomenon. You can't take anything away from him as... I like to try sometimes just because it's, it's funny how annoyed his fans get. But most of it stems from the fact that I, I have a personal gripe when people even try and say he's the best player in the world at the moment because he's, in my opinion, not even in the top three best players in Serie A at the moment, nor has he been since he arrived. But obviously, he is phenomenal at what he does. He knows his limits now. and There's nobody like him. I don't think there's anybody that's ever played in Serie A who can score just like he does. It is... Freakish. But anyway, um the reason you have that lead at the top is because Inter drew with Roma in Rome on Saturday evening. No, on Sunday evening. I don't know what day it is anymore. Um but I think title race forgotten veto two-two draw away at Rome to clinch Champions League qualification. Not the worst.
2: No, not the worst result for Inter, but uh, I must admit, probably a little bit fortuitous. Um, more than anything, I reckon the fortune was that I felt that the Rossi played the better game. Um, I saw on social media a few times that there was a bit of controversy regarding the first Roma goal that Kolarov had fed Taro before Spinazzola's deflected strike went in, but... Uh, I think over the course of the game the jollo rossi played the better football they looked more organized more composed and as um, Alastair mckenzie had touched on in one of his uh, feature articles or analysis articles uh, the switch from a 4-2-3-1 to a 3-4-2-1 i think it's benefited rom in the last few games and they probably should have um killed the game off before spin tried that Poor attempt at a clearance I, and then tripped Moses. I'm gonna have to cut you off because I
1: mean <laughs> that was one of the best, and by best I mean the absolute worst and most clownish. That was one of the best ways to concede a penalty I've ever seen in my life. I mean what have you tell me I'm wrong?
0: No, it was it was the it was the context, the stage of the game. I was finding it hilarious before I even saw the slow-mos and realised that he'd managed to he nut the ball him. out of his own pathway with his left, you know, standing leg. And, uh, and, he and injured also,
1: himself. He, he, was, he hurt himself.
0: But he's also got this look on his face, and I can't work out... A, I think he always <laughs> to be a suitor. And then B, I'm 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 sure there's an Adam Sandler character or a character from an Adam Sandler movie you know, like, like the water boy or something. And he's just got this perplexed dazed looks as though, he looks like if you threw a tennis ball, we chase it, look in his eye. And, uh, it, it just all adds to the comedy of the, uh, of, of the, uh, penalty.
1: Oh, uh, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. It really is amazing comedy. It's something that you'd see in like a cartoon SpongeBob SquarePants style interpretation of football, right? Where Patrick Starr would give away a penalty like this because he just he's no coordination and he kicks himself before kicking Moses. He got he got Moses in the balls as well, right? Like he he didn't just kick him. He swung so high and so wildly he caught Moses in the balls. It's unbelievable. It, one of the best things you'll see. If you've not seen it, just go to the Sariah YouTube channel and watch the highlights. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Kev?
0: Uh, sorry, I was trying to. I was trying to type to uh, to then try and lead us on to uh, who was the Verona defender who backhilled it into the path of Zapata as <laughs> well, <Wow. laughs> which was also pretty impressive as a
1: <laughs> as mistakes go. This weekend, <laughs> right? I've taken I've taken some notes about this weekend, and they're all just funny moments. Basically, I've got the Spinatola penalty. And two other things that we will come on to. Mm. I had forgotten the Verona incident because that was also amazing. Um, shall we move into that? Do, does anyone want to say anything more about Roma or, or Inter? No? No, that's... no, no. Okay, that's okay. All right, let's move on. After had to drop points in Verona, which was always going to be quite a tricky game. They did go 1-0 up um, through, I want to say comical fashion, but to be fair, to Duban Zapata. I mean, he showed just how strong he is by... I don't think there's anyone in Serie A better at just... Like, while running at full speed, just putting an arm out and holding a defender off like you're playing American football, he's he's a fantastic forward, Vito. And it must kind of... I'm not trying to rub it in, but it must hurt you seeing him do this for Atalanta for the last two years, having left Sam.
2: Well, I did mention it quite a few times on the... Pod last season, and I'm sure I would have done it a few times again uh, this season. Uh, Zapata, yeah, he's just been incredibly strong. Um, his finishing is just far more clinical. And uh, it's not surprising that even a defense like the Verona one, which has been uh, very reliable this season, you know, it goes to show that, you know, Zapata is someone with the quality to sort of do that because in the last two years, he's been in the form of his life.
1: Yeah, he's been absolutely amazing. and It's kind of surprising that he's got, I think, 16 goals in Serie A this season, despite missing about three months because he was injured. Um, just unbelievable. Unbelievable. But it does look like Atalanta's title hopes uh, have come to an end. Feels weird saying that after 34 games, given that after 30, they didn't have any title hopes. But there you go. That's just how football has been this year kev have you anything to to say about Veron atalanta other than the the funny bits
0: um well when you say about uh atalanta's total hopes coming to an end i watched the um the highlights sunday morning well i actually watched the full the full game back sunday morning and it was just a little bit disappointing that their hopes came to an end in kind of a whimper because of how both sides have played you kind of thought if they're gonna sort of drop points, it'll, they'll be they'll be leading again, they'll you know, free three one or something, and you know, it'll they'll draw three three. Whereas this both sides kind of struggled to to sort of build any momentum and put, you know, a lot of uh, attacking threat on the opposition opposition goal. And it just kind of felt a little bit out of out of the norm for what we get from Atalanta. But I think
1: both sides just kind of cancelled each other out. I mean Urich is self-proclaimed uh something of a disciple of Gasparini they both play quite similar styles and I think they both just knew what they were coming up against and they did quite well to cancel each other out yeah it just felt a little bit more cautious and maybe that's the respect
0: that Jurich had for Gasparini uh yes Gasparini they
1: both have for each other
0: yeah but um yeah never mind there's always next year
1: there's always next year um They'll they'll sign someone ridiculous. They'll sign Cristiano Ronaldo in the summer or something, and he he won't get a game, but he'll come on in the last few minutes to win games that they're struggling. But they did come very very close in with like the last kick of the game. Paschalic had a a little prodded volley. Was that in the first half? I can't really remember anything to be honest. Might have been the last kick of the first half, but
2: oh, there were two chances Paschalic had. Um, there was one where Silvestri saved a shot in the first half, and then there was the chance towards the end where he wasn't able to get on target. Mm. So, yeah, yeah he could was- have been a hero again after his um, heroics against Brescia, but it wasn't to be. Doesn't
1: matter what he does, he's always going to be an after the hero for those two games against Brescia this season. And he also got a couple of Champions League goals too. So, big love for Super Mario. Anyway, Milan. Ho, ho, ho. KFP. KFP. Milan. one five one. Because they have the best players in Italy in Teo Hernandez, Hernandez, Akanjioglu, and Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and therefore AC Milan are the best team in Serie.
0: Well, oh, I think they've got they've got momentum. Um, Salah, Salamaka's getting his goal. I was quite pleased to him because I think he's performed really well. I don't I don't know if he's been out through inj- injury. He didn't seem to get a lot of minutes at the start of the start of the season. I've got a feeling he was out for injury. Um, Bologna, um, weirdly, even though they they turned Inter over um, at the Giuseppe Miazza, they looked like they were already sort of packed up and ready for holiday, which is unusual because you wouldn't expect Mihailovic to allow his sides to do that. But uh, Milan were clinical, sort of steamrolled over him and... Fair play to them if they're going to actually have a strong finish to the season.
1: There were a lot of first goals in this one, weren't there? Because obviously Salamaca's got his, um, Benasere got his first goal from Milan, and then that Tommy Azu got a screamer for Bologna. It's a quite a forgotten goal, but what a goal that was, Vito. Now Kev's not happy about it, but okay. <laughs> no, I
2: thought Tommy Azu scored a fantastic goal, and. Uh... His form hasn't been the best since the return of Italian football since the coronavirus outbreak. But uh, before that, I thought he was adapting quite well to Serie A, and uh, he looked like he was one of uh, the Felsenay's bright spots for the season. So, although in this particular game he wasn't that he wasn't that great, I thought yeah, he was uh, quite. Yeah, it was a lovely strike. Kev, how are you calling
1: that a swinger? He cut in. And picked out the top corner.
2: He's
0: not left-footed, though, is he? He's he's, he's done what he right. should do and not sort of always go on your stronger. It's foot. It's even
1: better then if but, he's done that with his weak foot.
0: I don't know. I, I think I think I was. What is wrong with you? Of, well, I, I think the, uh, the the UK commentator went over the top of it, and, and then I couldn't buy into how good it was. Maybe maybe that maybe that was it. Maybe because it wasn't. You know, it was a, it was the one goal. Uh, against the five of Milan but yeah I don't know I just thought he, he kind inside. Of he tried his luck there was a lot of pace on it it was quite direct I don't know it wasn't
1: so you're given out because you've seen a goal that was filled with pace hit with a weak foot powerfully into the top corner think about what you're saying the swinger
0: <laughs> the swinger coming there's, from there's more luck than judgement with these with those types of efforts
1: but everything is like, I hate this when people say, oh, it was a hit and hope. Every goal's a hit and hope. It, what, you think Cristiano Ronaldo, <laughs> when he pumped one in from 35 yards the other week, wasn't hoping it went into the top corner when he hit it?
0: Like I say, I think I was coloured by the UK commentator because I missed it in live and I expected to raise my head and see this absolute worldie. And I thought, no. Oh.
1: Break it down. How many shots has Tommy Azu had in Serie A this season? Probably about 10. So he's probably the most clinical player in Serie A. Cristiano Ronaldo could learn a thing or two from, from Tommy Azu, obviously. He's had, well, he's had the other 10 with his right foot, so he's really clinical if this is his first of his left. Maybe he's like, who is it? It's Ousmane Dembele, isn't it? He doesn't know what foot is his strongest foot. Because he did an interview when he signed for Barca, and they asked him, like, so, so which is your strongest foot? And he said, oh, my, my left. They're like, but you take penalties, but you're right. He's like, yeah, I think I can, I can kick the ball better with my right foot. They're like, but so you're right footed. And he's like, no, I'm left footed. So he's genuinely just very confused about life. Maybe Tommy Azu <laughs> has just thought he was right footed his whole life, but really he's left footed. Who knows? I've,
0: I've, I've come across some of those individuals in my life. It's not <laughs> usual. Are you one of them? No, I'm I'm not. You ask somebody if they're right or left-handed and then you see them eating with the wrong knife and fork.
1: (laughs) Right, anyway. um, I mean, it was quite a a nice win from Milan. They got five different goal scorers as well. Vito, Even David Calabria got one.
2: Mm. Yeah, well, it goes to show that, you know, in this particular game, it was one of those performances where a lot of players played well, I reckon, if... um, if I really had to be picky, probably the least impressive was Romagnoli, and that's strongly based on uh, you know, him letting Tomiyasu score that goal, but uh, other than that, I'm just clutching at straws here, because I'm, I was looking at the La like, Gazzetta ratings, and usually they have a best player and a worst player, but they had the what they say in Italian, il voto più basso, the lowest vote, and they gave it to Simon Chiar, and I thought He had a decent game. His distribution was good, made some good interventions. So it was usually we see AC Milan games and we think, you know, was this guy even any good? Are we really trying to look hard to look for someone who played good? Whereas this was the flip side. Um, It was hard to see who actually played bad. It was a, a top performance from them. And I can't remember the last time the Rossoneri played this well, this comprehensively so. It might just be a, a, a great night for them, but I think uh, we just got to appreciate it for what it is at the moment.
1: You've all just got to stop trying to take it away from Tommy
2: Azu. Unbelievable! <laughs> it's a great, I said it's a great strike. More, of my criticism was just of the Legazzetta ratings. You know, okay. I thought, yeah, you know, because I didn't think Kian was the worst performing Milan player. All right, all
1: right, all right. There's a lot of games in the middle. That Kev, what are you waving for? Well, I was
0: just—I was trying to be polite and wait for Vito to finish. But at the end there, he made a very good point about this as being probably the best that Milan have played for a while, and I think you'd be really positive—you know—you'd be, be really positive as a Milan fan um, with the last last few games and how they're playing. They'll bring us all together, and if I was a Milan fan, I would actually be a little concerned that they're going to go and tear some of this up with changing Violi. Uh, And it it would be classic Milan of of maybe the last sort of
1: decade. Would this be like the most peak Milan since the summer they spent all that money? Because the one time it started to look right for them, two of the ingredients in that have been, um, as much as we joke, Zlatan Ibrahimović has changed the mentality of that squad and Stefano Pioli has overseen all of it. And neither of them is going to be there next year.
0: It would be right up there as peak Milan. But then also, if they make these changes and then they, they go on from this and they improve even further, then you've got to actually give them credit for having some foresight to you know, change, whatever you want to call it, direction. Given
1: given what we've seen from the club over the last, not quite a <laughs> decade, but the last four <laughs> years, do we have any reason to believe they're making the right decision? No. No. Uh, um, and it is disappointing because Serie A would be better if, if Milan were like a force and Inter were as well. The league would improve for it. Um, and, and we joke about them a lot, but they they just give us a lot of ammunition, really. Uh, so sooner the better, Milan are good. Down at the bottom, we will return to the games in between in a bit. But there was big, big, big sad news down at the bottom, because Emilia-Romagna is down from four representatives to just the three. Spal have been relegated. They went up to Brescia. They went 1-0 up through Brian Dabo, and they lost 2-1, meaning Brescia have sent Spal, where they will soon be following, down to Serie B. And I suppose, look, I've spoken about Spal a lot, this season, I, I like Spa, I like Ferrara, I like going there. But Serie I will miss Spal, maybe not this season, Spal, but what they brought to the top flight over the last three years, Vito, is, is something that's not going to be easily replaced.
2: No, it's not. Um, I think, particularly us here in the pod, we probably. Appreciate Spald more than most other Serie A fans, but uh, Spald they were a great provincial story back in the fifties and sixties. They were producing a whole bunch of talents and punching above their weight back then. So to come back to Serie A for the first time since the nineteen sixties was quite remarkable. And Leonardo Semplici as a coach had, as a coach had done a fantastic job. Just unfortunately things weren't going. Right, this year, selling Manuel Lazzari to Lazio, who's probably been one of the best players, if not the best player while they have been in Serie A, Uh, I think that made a significant change. And uh, then for Spal to replace Semplici with Luigi Di Biagio, it seemed like they were already getting the final nails in the coffin. So a bit of a shame, but if they bounce back, I would not have any issues because they seem to be a well-run club and... uh, you know there were moments where actually they did play some decent football
1: yeah and given like if you look at their recent history they, they were in Serie A in 2017 having effectively refounded and having a name change in 2013 you know it it was a remarkable rise we wrote an article on FIF the year they got promoted to Serie B and then we kind of kept an eye on them in Serie B and then suddenly they were they were up there and they, were, they went up to A. It was a remarkable story. The stadium there has been completely renovated. Their first year in Serie I went along to a game. And then when I went back the following season, having moved here to work there, it was completely different. It's a beautiful stadium. The fans are genuinely amazing. The atmosphere they generate is one of the best that I've ever seen in A, And... Um, I'm very much looking forward to, to seeing Spal's return. Hopefully they don't free fall. The club seems quite well run. Maybe Semplici could come back and, and get them back up. Who knows? But yeah, I'm I'm quite disappointed to see the back of Spal. Um, and I didn't expect to be as sad as I was when it was confirmed, strangely. Because I know I've said on, on the pod this year, but my heart did sink a little bit when I saw that it was confirmed on I think it was Sunday evening. So come back soon, Spal. We miss you. Um but we do have a couple of Spal fans who listen to this podcast, actually. So stay stay with us. Stay with us. Um and if you don't stay with us, come back when you're back. But anyway. <laughs> Brescia, Kev, it's just delaying the inevitable for them, right?
0: Yeah, it was probably the one reason that i had to will for a spell victory just so they kind of just both get it over with um but you know they they made the most of spells wastefulness in front of goal took a victory um it's times like this where you think well it's nice for fans of sides that go down to actually be in the stadium and sort of celebrate the small the very few victories you get when you know you're going to go up uh, and probably go straight back down, um, and, and victories are few and far between. So you take what you can get, and they've, you know, they've had to miss
1: out on it. Mm. Anyway, right. Well, there was a huge game at the bottom as well, actually, because the bottom four all played each other. Genoa played Lecce, and what was a bit of a a crazy game. Genoa won in the end through a huge slice of good fortune, Kev. But that gap is now four points. Genoa seventeenth on thirty-three. Lecce 18 on 29. It's not done, but it's a huge blow for Lecce.
0: Yeah, I think um, if they if they d- drawn, uh, you know you've got the the Genoa derby coming up. But now there's four points. It just feels to me, even with the number of points left to play for, if you want to work out that math again, Connor, um, the, the that that point. You know, well, right now we'll we'll get Genoa over the line. You know if you know because I, I kind of expect it to get back down to a point. but That's going to be a crucial crucial win over Lecce and see Genoa uh, remain in Syria
1: Right, but next time out, Genoa do play Sam who they don't beat anymore, and Lecce for Brescia It could be back down to a
0: point. <sighs> yeah, but let Lecce go and beat Lazio, and then they go and. Have performances like uh, this one, where Mancuso skies it probably over the stadium. I never saw where the ball landed. Um, so I've got I've got no confidence in them beating Brescia.
1: Lazio do have the kinder running. Um, they definitely have the kinder running. And I don't know. I don't think it's done. Obviously the result was big, but I don't think it's done. Sorry, Lazio fans. I know I was saying this about Spal for a long time, so it might be a kiss of that. But. Um, yeah, let's hope Lecce stay up because it does very much look like a couple of more teams from down south will be joining them in Serie A next year if they can stay up. So it would be nice to keep that uh, Pugliese representative that we have at the moment. Vito, are you any more hopeful than Kev that uh, the Giallorossi can stay up?
2: Yeah, I'm very pessimistic about it. But yeah, um, some winning some the derby should give Lecce some hope. There he is. Speaking about this uh, particular game, I mean, Mancozzo to blast that penalty. What was wrong? He's usually so good. They call Cristiano Ronaldo Penaldo. I'll call him Pencozzo <laughs> because usually he's good. But this game, and I think a few, I think even in Lazio game, he had a bad miss too. So, yeah, it's uh, very unlike him. And then Barak. Antonin Barak, the Czech midfielder, had about two or three chances. So, yeah, Lecce, Lecce could have got something out of this game. So, disappointed that they couldn't beat the, the Rifornio. So, yeah, they better beat Brescia. And uh, hopefully we have another derby win. So, let's keep the relegation battle excited, boys. I'm
1: pretty sure when I went to Sassuolo, actually, a couple of weeks back, It's probably about 10 match weeks ago, but it it feels like 10 days ago. Uh, Mancosu scored a penalty, and I think that was six from six successful from the spot. So it was quite uncharacteristic of him to do what he did um, on Sunday. But yeah, I mean, the winning goal, though, how unfortunate can you be, Vito? Gabriel, Mm. the the shot hit the post and bounced back off his head.
2: Yeah, I've got to be honest. I felt a bit sorry for Gabriel then because... Usually, he's actually quite reliable, despite the amount of goals Lecce have conceded. Um, If it wasn't for him, I felt that Lecce would have let in heaps more. We talk about how Atalanta were getting close to 100 goals scored this season. Probably if it wasn't for Gabriel, I reckon Lecce would have conceded close to 100. So for, I don't know how to pronounce the player's name. He's a Polish guy, uh, or Jagiello. It was a good shot, but the way it bounced off and hit Gabriel, yeah. Sometimes it's just not your day, and yeah, very unfortunate for Gabriel to consider going goal in that nature.
1: Kev, that was kind of you to offer a uh, help with the Polish pronunciation. There. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I, I'm,
0: I was trying to I was trying to look at the fixtures because I'm trying to work out where that our oh, generous samps. Um, okay, uh, Wednesday. Yeah, Are you gonna help? Uh no no because my pr- pronunciation of my own name uh, my own name was terrible for years apparently until a Polish concierge uh, set me straight. Um, what I will say when you know talking about that that own goal is that you said about Samp you know almost always defeating Genoa. It's one of those things actually that I think will give the Genoa players uh, you know a bit of a lift. That you know things are going to go right for us. You know that it's written in the stars. All these things that people that believe in that sort of uh, stuff go and tell you.
1: So sure, quags is firing. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry?
0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com/host. I'll leave, I'll leave that there to let that <laughs> uh, Yeah, <laughs> I'm just still I'm just still, still in a bad mood because I was supposed to be at this derby and it is the hundredth uh, derby della Lanterna.
1: And you're a Genoa fan
0: too. Uh, they were the first uh, Italian side I ever saw live, yeah.
1: We established this. If you didn't listen to our um, podcasts during lockdown, the, what was it called? My favourite game, my greatest game. I can't remember. My favourite game, I think. <laughs> yeah. um, one of them was, the three of us were on together and we, we got Kev to admit. Or else it was on the one that me and Kev did alone, the Liverpool Genoa. I got Kev That's to like admit that, one. that Oh, you all right, Vito hasn't noted. Yeah. Kev admitted that his, um he doesn't support yeah, Genoa, but one. Genoa are the team that you have the most affection for.
0: Yeah, I have a soft spot for the city. I have a soft spot for that club. But then I also when I was in Italy, I've got a, a, a Sampdoria champion scarf, which is probably in a box somewhere in the basement. So oh, you should dig my, that out. From ninety one. Yeah, it used to be <laughs> it used to be on my ceiling when I was a child, but
1: there
0: you go.
2: All
1: right, well, that's... So, Samp are your favourite team. Make up your mind. I told you, I don't I don't have favourites. You just love Liguria, don't you? You just love it. Though. Hey,
2: look, Spe- Spezia coming soon, so <laughs> or they're in with a shot anyway.
1: It's true. It's true. Um, right, we're, we're talking about the Genovese side, so we might as well get on to Samp now. They came here to Parma, and they, they looked like they were going to leave empty-handed. They went 2-0 down, but then... Obviously, as happens, if you score first in a game involving Parma, you don't win. That's just how it's been six times since lockdown, five times since the return. Parma have gone ahead and lost. Quite unforgivable from Parma's perspective, Kev, before we get on to Samp.
0: Well, you throw those sort of numbers out, but I can't believe that anybody sat in that press box with you thought that that game was going. Any way other than a Palmer win because Samp were non-existent in the first half and Palmer were just all over them. It was again, it's that sort of stereotypical game of two halves because Palmer, you know, Palmer were quicker to the ball, uh, crisper in their passing. They were sort of taking their, their chances. I don't recall, I don't recall them being particularly wasteful. That we can look back on it and think, oh wow, they should have been three or four up before half time. Um, yeah, I, I you know it, it was actually quite a nice game to start off Sunday Sunday with but completely took me by surprise the second half performance from Sam.
1: No, it you're right, but there was a real like almost a mental fragility in the press Because obviously it, it's just me and local press basically there was the the Samp I don't know who she was actually but she was in like a full Samp gear and she was sat beside me. She was losing her mind in the first half. I've n- rarely seen someone so animated in an Italian press box, and bearing in mind, they get quite animated.
0: She sounds like Vito's ideal woman.
1: Oh, no, honestly. <laughs> she, she was like, if, if Vito had long hair and popped the Sam training tracksuit on him, it was her. It was mad. Um, <laughs> she didn't quite have the accent, though, either. Um, but anyway, there was a real fragility, and you got the feeling when that Gianluca Caprari goal was ruled out, people kind of thought, oh, no, it's happening again. Because Palmer just haven't had the rub of the green. Recently, we've spoken about a few little decisions that have gone against them that wouldn't have on other days. But it did seem like everything was going their way until that goal was ruled out. Then they got the second, and they thought, oh, no, OK, everything's fine. But as soon as that Sam goal went in, in the second minute of the second half, everyone just kind of thought, oh, here we go. And then when Brugman took that free kick at 2-1 and hit the crossbar, everyone knew that Palmer weren't getting out of there with three points. Then, sure enough, Sam turned things around. They won 3-2. And, Vito, I will let you talk about the the win in a moment. But there's we need to address something here. Gaston Ramirez is weird. Like, he's really, really weird. I don't know. Did you guys see my tweets about this?
2: I right. saw the tweets, but I haven't heard about the actual noises you're referring to. But I don't think anyone knew they existed
1: until lockdown, to be honest, because I've seen Gaston play before, and I've never heard it. But obviously, there's no fans in the stadium now, and, and everyone kind of clocked it as well after a while, and people were just laughing in the press box. Basically, like, like, you know the Ric Flair and the Pharrell Williams does it in that Robin Thicke, Blurred Lines song? calls for the ball and seems to shout at opposition players just to to distract them I took an audio recording I'm not sure if it's loud enough but if it is I'm going to put it into the pod here so the listeners will hear it I spent probably about 7 minutes not watching the match in the first pass because I needed to work out where this whooping was coming from. It's unbelievable. If you have the pleasure of watching Samp on TV while this lockdown is continuing, and I don't know if you can turn off commentary or something, turn off the crowd noise, definitely, and just listen for this. because it's, it's a, It made me uncomfortable, to be quite honest with you. But anyway, Vito, big three points. Sampa are now ahead of Parma, remarkably. And Claudio Ranieri, you must be wanting to kiss his feet at the moment.
2: Oh, I wouldn't go that far, but I'll definitely give him a big hug. I mean, <laughs> I'll, skip, I'll skip the restrictions for that. Speaking but of it- skipping restrictions, I
1: managed to sneak into his press conference. Uh, it was just <laughs> me and, and the TV people. And he's so nice. He really is so lovely. And he was losing his head on the on the touchline for the whole first half. But he's such a nice guy. It's unbelievable.
2: No, he, he is definitely one of the gentlemen of world football. I mean, obviously, I've only seen him on TV through press conferences and interviews and so forth. But he's always well-spoken, uh, well-mannered as well. So he seems like a really pleasant man to be around and... I think since replacing Di Francesco, he has really brought that calming influence. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, only three points were collected with Di Francesco. Everything else has been with Ranieri. And the main point with Ranieri was really just to get that fighting spirit and build some solidarity because in defence in particular, we were terrible. But we've won five of our last six games um, the only loss was against atalanta and atalanta have been the form team since the return of Serie A. and uh, aside from just having this organization fighting spirit i think some of the old flair started to come back too so i think that's been pleasing as well especially in the second half so uh, Quayarella was involved in two of the goals um bonazzoli when he came on was excellent again he scored four goals in just three games so he's having a purple patch And the Argentinian youngster, Gonzalo Maroni, he was looking good in pre-season, and he had a good game against Crotone in the Coppa Italia early on, but then he had an injury from memory, so he couldn't shine. But when he came on in the second half, he was really pulling the strings, dribbling past players at pace, showed a bit of flair and skill. And I think it really brought the best out of the other players too, like Torsby, Ectal, and Murro as well. So, yeah, it really was that game of two halves because... Parma looked good going forward with Brookman as the regista, Hernani midfield. But second half, just the way we turned around, I thought it was absolutely fantastic.
1: Glad you've mentioned mentioned Maroni because something was something um, was flagged up to me during the game because when he came on at halftime, there was a little bit of a chuckle in in the press box, and I was speaking to my friend um, Alessio De Giuseppe from Bologna, and he said, "Do you know what that means in?" in not Italian but in Emiliano I said no he's like che due Maroni it means like what balls like what bollocks this is um in in normal Italian it's che palle but in in Emiliano it's a little bit funnier so and and so approved because Maroni whipped in the corner that Chabot scored Palma's first from and I'd imagine or Sam's first from and I'd imagine a lot of the Palmer staff would have been thinking a Maroni at that moment but there you go, that was quite nice Kev, Fabio Quagliarella 11 goals, 3 assists this season 4 games left you getting worried?
2: No, not at all
1: The derby's coming up, he'll net a hat-trick then he just needs one more
2: <laughs> And he'll get 5 against Brescia
1: There you go, he only needs 4 goals in his last 4 games and he's playing Brescia and Genoa We'll see and Lecce, I think as well. I think Samp have them all. Oh, it's gonna happen! It's gonna happen! Look at you.
2: Yeah, yeah, I've played
1: Lecce already. Drinks.
0: Oh yeah. What? It won't be the first time I've got around in. Don't worry.
1: <laughs> it's around for every goal he scores, isn't it? I
0: think mean, you might have to trawl back through the pods. I've
1: just made that one up now. To be fair. Um, anyway, Vito, any anything else to say on Zamp? or can we?
2: No, that's pretty much about it. Just that Chabot and i are making my team of the week.
1: Nice one. Chabot was very good, actually. In the first mm. half, too, he was one of the impressive players for Sampa. I made a little note of that because he was the only one. But yeah. <laughs> the, the third and final note I have taken of strange things. This is more impressive than strange, though. Came in Napoli's 2-1 win over Udinese. Did you see... The witchcraft that Kaladu Kulabali got up to. No. Rodrigo De Paul went in and he, he dinked one over Ospina and it was going in. And Koulibaly was just running back towards his own goal casually. And instead of like hoofing it for a corner or a throw in, he kicked it, passed it against his own like post, up off the top corner of the post, so casually and into Ospina's <laughs> hands. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. <laughs> and he obviously meant
2: it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was, I thought I thought Udinese were going to sort of get that goal and now we're going to end up winning that game. But yeah, Koulibaly doing that, I thought, wow, just, it's like, yeah, Udinese should have had that. But Koulibaly, you know, he's, he's something else. So, you know, incredible. incredible.
1: You're not going to tell me that he didn't mean it either. Watch him. He doesn't like break stride. He doesn't sweat. Nothing. He knew who he was doing. Unbelievable talent. Unbelievable. Yes. But, but Matteo Politano scored in the 95th minute to win this. It was a good goal. But Vito, was this his first Napoli goal?
0: Did he score in the Coppa Italia?
1: First Serie A one, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah one. Yeah. One Serie A goal. That's not very good, is it?
2: No, not at all. Especially when you consider that it was such an impressive play at Sassuolo. Uh, Just at Inter, he had flashes, but he rarely put the ball in the back of the net. And even at Napoli, he hasn't done enough to really take the place of Callejon in that team. And even at Lozano, he started to score in recent weeks. So, um, yeah, Politano, I don't know. It seems like he's another one of those system players that seem to be popping up. Uh, in Serie A in the last decade or so. They're good in one place or under one certain coach, but elsewhere, outside of the comfort zone, they don't replicate the same magic that they did previously. And Politano was doing this kind of stuff more frequently with the Nero Verdi.
1: Cav, Fiorentina Bit Torino
2: 2-0. Yeah, we
0: cursed Belotti on Thursday with his mm. run of... Uh,
1: your are un- You brought it up.
0: Wow, yeah, I'm talking of goal scorers or non-goal scorers. (laughs)
2: Uh,
0: I think I got, I think I was more annoyed with Kwame celebrating the goal that clearly wasn't his than I do over (laughs) players that refuse to celebrate because they once played seven minutes for the club they've just scored against on loan. You know, and they they just refused to celebrate for offending the fans that they once played for. But it, he was really milking that uh, that own goal.
1: <laughs> I think he hadn't scored since like October, since playing for Genoa. It was his first Fiorentina. Well, it wasn't his goal, but it was the first time he made a goal happen for Fiorentina. Butted. It was it was a bad shot, though, wasn't it? It, it was. was when I saw the replay, you see. The, I can't remember which 3-0 player it is, but he's parallel. He's, like, beside him. So, <laughs> Kwame just squared it across the box. It wasn't going anywhere near and He managed
0: to kick over the ball somewhere with his heel to make it go to his right, as opposed to, well, to go sideways rather than forward. It
1: was it was pretty impressive. Yeah. I do like him. I do think he's a big talent, though. But,
0: yeah. Yeah he'd done really well at Genoa and then he was one of the players I think we mentioned a few weeks back where Fiorentina made a load of signings some stayed with their you know club like Amrabat uh, and then others we were you know some were injured and then we didn't know who was where and who was actually staying there but um, he might might get a few games end of the season to pick up some fitness
1: yeah well I remember when when he and Piontek were impressing and Pyonte got the move. We had been talking about like, I had been at a few Genoa games to start off that season and I was so impressed with Kwame. I do think he's got quite a bright future if he can kind of iron out some of the the rawness. And is rawness a word mm. in his in his game? Um yeah. he's, I'll you know, use I think
0: it. it is, isn't it? Yeah. I don't
1: know. Kev, we'll just go with it. You're good with words. I use any words. I like it <laughs> <laughs> You use any noise. I'm like.
0: Fine noise. <laughs>
1: um, lastly, Cagliari held Sassuolo to a 1-1 draw um, Which is probably up there with the most undeserving point of the season, Peter
2: Well, when you consider that uh, uh, Cagliari, they haven't been in the best form And uh, Sassuolo had the better chances Yeah, In hindsight, yeah, it was another game Sassuolo should have won um, but what I found fitting was the goal scores for this game were Joao Pedro and uh, Chicho Caputo. So both of them have gone to eighteen goals each. And yeah, I think it's uh, very fair because the ugly—I mean, they're arguably the most talismanic players for those teams. So yeah, good on them at least from an individual perspective.
1: Okay, you ready, guys? It's yep. game time. Is it? It's ga- it's game time. We we've come to the end of the. Of the regular part of the pod and now we're at the good part of the pod the score in my game yet to be named is 1-1 I only counting post lockdown because i lost my sheet of paper and um, veto won last time out so that means veto starts okay you know the rules for any new listeners probably just switch off now to be honest but if you're gonna insist they ask yes or no answer questions. Um, if the answer is yes, they get to continue until they discover the identity of a mystery footballer. Ooh, right. Okay. You guys ready?
0: Yes. Is this, well, is this another one on your phone or is it actual sticker?
1: I've, it's not on my phone. I've written it down on, on this. Okay. Okay. Uh, Mr. Doria, take it away. A bit of pace this time, guys. Yeah, last game went on for about 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, okay first question is this player Italian he is not Italian
0: Uh, do they play for a top half side
1: they do not play for a top
2: half side okay does this player play for a team in the relegation zone
1: they do play for a team in the relegation zone. Kev, are you taking notes? Yeah, because I just forgot last
2: time. I couldn't remember what
1: we were doing. Very good.
2: Okay, so, all right. In that case, um, does this player play for Spal?
1: The player does not play for Spal. Hmm.
0: Do they play for Lecce?
1: They do play for Lecce. Have they missed
0: penalties recently? Come on, say yes.
1: I can't remember. I don't think so. Not that we've discussed on this podcast.
0: Okay. Okay, that's fine. It rules out the one player that... Okay. No, it's not. You'll go, V. The...
1: Okay, um, hair um, removal cream.
0: <laughs> yeah, actually, I do have some. That does need to be done again.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I do get called that though, so. Oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> uh, no, I've got a few nicknames, but you're yeah. yeah, Getting back to this game. Okay, so, all right. Is this player a midfielder?
1: He is not a midfielder. Are they South American? North South American.
2: This is a good one. Okay, so... Oh, no. so, I can think so. Oh. All right, uh, so it's Kev's turn, isn't it?
1: No, no it's your
2: turn. Right. Okay, um, is this player from Africa?
1: The player is African.
2: Okay, is it Kuma Babakar? It
1: is Kuma Babakar. Vito has stormed into a two-one lead. He's turned Kev's one-nil advantage into his favour, just like Sam did at Parma. And Kev, <laughs> what are your um, what are your immediate feelings after that defeat?
0: Well, you know, I think we 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 put the effort in that I wanted from the team.
1: <laughs> I don't know how many questions you ask. But would you have liked to have asked more in an ideal ideal world? Will you be like evaluating your question-asking technique? Do you think you're taking the right approach or, or do you need to have a look at things?
0: Well, you know, like uh, Tommy Yasser, I think my conversion rate could have been better. Um, <laughs> maybe I'll just have some more uh, you know, swingers
1: uh, from outside
0: the box. It's
1: uh, disrespectful. I think that's what your penalty one was, no? Um, but anyway, Vito, how are you feeling after that win? Second in a row, you're on a high.
2: Yeah, yeah, very good. Well, it was easier than uh, last week? Uh, like you were saying earlier, we just dragged it out last week too long. But that was a hard one last week. He's
0: going to cool. take. He's going to take overconfidence into the uh, the Pod Derby on Wednesday night.
1: <laughs> I think. So. I think. I think Vito's a professional.
0: I've got right. a terrible feeling that UK broadcasters aren't actually showing that and it's now starting to play on my mind. Do you reckon? Although, we've got a Premier League total lift to watch, so uh, I'll actually have to watch it back after.
1: That'll um, be on telly, surely. The Derby's always on telly.
0: There's a lot of games. I'm not sure what games they're showing on Premiers. Uh, yep.
1: Oh, it's on... Yeah, no, that's not going to be on telly. inter Fiorentina, Spal Roma um, are on at the same time so yeah. there are two other games but they'd be the two ahead of it you know.
0: I, I, yeah, I was going to say as I won't be watching it live I'll probably they'll probably play the full highlights of the full game probably around midnight so I'll probably get to see it anyway the same time I would
1: have been i to watch it just realize we we're still recording this bye everyone yes
0: bye everybody it's been a
2: pleasure <laughs> see you later